This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Hey everybody, you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 59. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else that you might be listening to the show. And to also remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. So as I'm sure you've already noticed, I have some new intro and outro music for the show. I went online and did some research and actually purchased some new music for the show, as well as some sound effects for certain episodes that have segments to them. So I hope everybody's enjoying the new music. Uh, Tina and I really like it a lot and think it sounds really fantastic. So this week, I want to talk about a subject that tends to plague all photographers, especially if you're newer, and that is how to make your camera battery last longer. Most cameras these days can take quite a few photos on a single charge, but in this episode, I'm going to share some tips for getting more life and more shots out of your camera's battery. Now, if you know anything about cameras in general, DSLRs versus mirrorless, for the longest time, one of the biggest advantages that DSLR cameras had is that their batteries were capable of giving you a lot more shots on a single charge. In the early days of mirrorless cameras, the batteries tended to only last for two to 300 shots if you were lucky. And that's because the electronic viewfinder was a huge drain on the battery, as well as the autofocusing system and any image stabilization or anything else that might be, you know, operated as part of using the camera. But over the years, especially the last four or five years in the mirrorless full-frame world, Sony did a really great job of extending the battery life on their full-frame mirrorless cameras. And the battery life is fairly good on the Canon and Nikon and Fuji mirrorless cameras as well. You still can't get quite as many shots per charge as you can with the DSLR, but it's getting better every year and there's always new advancements in battery technology. So the first item I want to talk about is the GPS if your camera has it. This is a unique feature that a lot of new cameras have these days but unless you need to geotag your location during a shoot, keep this item turned off. In the course of a day, GPS can drain up to 20% of your battery life. Now, on some cameras, and I'm going to talk from the side of Canon cameras because that's what I have the most experience with. Um, I do have a Fuji GFX 50R these days as well, but that does not have GPS capabilities. Only if you have it Bluetooth paired with your smartphone and then you can do geotagging, it'll get the GPS location from your smartphone and embed it into the EXIF data in your images. Now, on the Canon cameras, most of them that have built-in GPS have two different modes. A continuous mode, where it constantly pings the GPS satellites for your location, and then a secondary mode where the GPS remains on, but it only queries the GPS satellite system every so many seconds or once a minute or something like that. Now, if you have it in mode 2, it will give you significant savings on the battery drain. 
But as you can imagine, mode one is going to pretty much suck that battery dry because it's continuously querying the satellites for your GPS location. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to you know, run your battery dead in a matter of a few minutes or an hour, but if you turn that on, the, the mode one and the continuous GPS updating, it's going to run your battery down a lot faster because of the fact that it's constantly making queries to the GPS satellite network to determine your location. So that is one of the first ways in which you can extend your battery life in your camera. Number two is Wi-Fi. Again, this is another neat feature to have on newer model cameras, but unless you need to actually use it, keep it turned off. The last thing you need your camera doing during a shoot is constantly hunting for Wi-Fi networks. Now, even if your camera isn't hunting for Wi-Fi networks, a lot of cameras can set up their own what we call an ad hoc Wi-Fi network, and that allows your smartphone to link to the camera using the manufacturer's Camera Connect app, which is what Canon's is called. Everybody else's is called different things. Nikon is SnapBridge, and so on and so forth. But unless you're actually using your smartphone as maybe a wireless trigger, keep the Wi-Fi settings turned off will extend your battery life significantly. Now, the Wi-Fi, if it's on constantly, this is another one that can add up to about 20% of your battery life being drained off during the course of your shooting. So again, that's a mode that you're going to want to keep disabled unless you absolutely need it. Next is sleep mode. This is a nice item that is in most all camera menus these days. Setting the sleep mode to the lowest time possible will allow your camera to save battery life in between shots and the camera will wake back up pretty much instantly when you press a button. Turning your camera off and on all the time doesn't really extend the battery life any more than sleep mode, but it takes a bit for the camera to boot back up and be ready for the next shoot. And so if you're doing something where you're trying to capture action sports or something like that, you could potentially miss the shot. So you're better off utilizing the sleep now. Now, maybe you don't want to set it to the shortest time interval possible, and they vary from camera to camera. It could be five seconds without any buttons pressed before the camera goes to sleep, or it could be 10 or 20 or 30 or a minute. Um, you can tweak that. Try playing around with the time limit a little bit and see which one you feel works best for you and helps maximize your battery life. The next item is review time. If you are skilled at using your camera, you can set the lowest possible review time. I personally don't use the live preview of images at all on my cameras, and most pros don't either. Now, on most of them, you can set it to a two-second preview or a four-second preview, or you can turn it completely off. Now, like I said, I keep mine turned off most all of the time, as do most working professionals, because we're experienced enough with our cameras, we don't need to constantly do what's referred to as chimping or looking at the viewfinder on the back to see if we got the shot. Once you get a little more time and practice in perfecting your craft with your camera, you won't need to do that constant chimping to look at each image as you shoot it. You'll be able to know, especially if you're using a mirrorless camera, whether or not you got the exposure and composition both correct when you captured the image because 
the nice thing with an EVF is it shows you exactly what this exposure looks like as you look through the viewfinder. So it's the same thing as looking at your exposure if you're doing the live view mode using the rear LCD, except it's a much smaller screen, so it's not nearly as much drain on your camera's battery life. The next item is continuous focus. Don't use this if you do not need to. It can make shooting harder if you need to recompose, but if you are shooting objects that are not moving, it just drives the focus motor constantly and causes drain to your battery life. Now again, you're going to have continuous focus turned on more than like if you, likely if you're shooting sports or other kind of action shots. But if you're doing portraits or landscapes, there's really no need to have the continuous focus on your camera enabled. All it's going to do again is cut down on your battery life. Number six is image stabilization. This feature is very handy to have in your camera system at times, but if shooting on a tripod, it can actually impose movement into your shots and cause blurriness by creating this movement when there shouldn't be any. Now, what I mean by that is if you shoot, let's say you're shooting a landscape and the landscape lens you're using has image stabilization. Some of the newer ones do, like the 18 to 55 kit lens. A lot of people use those for landscapes. Uh, the 35 millimeter lenses and 24 millimeter lenses, some of them, some of them have image stabilization or vibration, uh, vibration reduction and some don't. But if you're shooting on a tripod, by having that image stabilization turned on, you can possibly introduce movement into your shot, and then you're going to have poor focus. So if you're not in a situation where you really need image stabilization, go ahead and leave it turned off, as it can be a fairly big drain on your battery life. Live view, number seven. Live view is one of the biggest battery drains on any camera system. The viewfinder is there for a reason. Photographers got by for centuries without live view, but a lot of people like to use it these days to compose their images. And because if you have a DSLR where you have an optical viewfinder instead of an electronic viewfinder and a mirrorless camera, the LCD, the rear LCD, or live view mode is how you can see your exposure as you're setting up your shot. So again, through the optical viewfinder, you're not going to see any adjustments you make to your exposure triangle. You're not going to see the image get darker or lighter inside an optical viewfinder like you would in an electronic viewfinder. But keep in mind that large LCD screen on the back of your camera is definitely a huge battery drain. <laughs> Number eight is silent mode. If you don't need it for the shooting that you're doing, then go ahead and turn it off. Now, I have the Canon EOS R5 mirrorless full-frame camera, and I also have the Fujifilm GFX 50R mirrorless medium format, and both cameras do have a silent mode, or at least, at least a less noisy mode, if you will. Um, but again, Enabling the silent mode is going to be a bigger draw on your battery. So the silent mode is great if you're out, say, shooting wildlife or maybe you're doing a wedding or some other event where you don't want the noise of your camera intruding on what is going on around you as you're shooting. 
So again, if you're in one of those situations where you don't absolutely need silent mode, go ahead and turn it off. Let the camera make its clicking sound or use the mechanical shutter if you're on a mirrorless versus the silent shutter. And that will help extend your total number of shots and your battery life throughout the course of the day. Number nine is built-in flash. Now, to be honest, I'm not even sure why any cameras come with built-in flash these days because they are a massive battery hog and their performance is crap. Let's be honest. Why bother put them on a camera when, to be honest, they're completely useless? I mean, the on-camera flash, or some people refer to it, the pop-up flash. If you've ever tried using the pop-up flash on your DSLR for taking portraits, you know that 99 times out of 100, you end up with portraits of people where they look like they're a vampire because they get massive red eye. <laughs> so they look like their eyes are glowing red, like they're demon possessed or something like that. And it's just not flattering in your images. And then you got to use some sort of post-processing software or technique to try to remove the red eye from the images. Your best bet, if you need to use any kind of artificial lighting, is to use speed lights or mono lights. Off-camera flash is always your best option. And then don't forget to use some sort of light modifier to soften the light and control the light as far as its direction and where it's going to fall on your subject as well as the background. Number 10, in-camera post-processing. Again, I'm not sure why cameras even have this, as you can do a way better job of post-processing your RAW files in Lightroom, Photoshop, or whatever other software that you prefer to use. This, again, is another huge drain on the battery of your camera. If you have it set to do any kind of post-processing with the images, if you're using film effects or anything like that, that is creating additional draw on your battery because the camera's CPU is doing more work. So unless you absolutely need it for some reason, like you're shooting, uh, let's say you're shooting as a journalist or something like that, and you need to immediately upload JPEGs from the field, leave that turned off because it's just going to suck out, suck more life out of your battery and make the battery deplete all that much faster. So if you don't need it, go ahead and leave the in-camera processing turned off. Number 11, the focus beep. Now, it does not consume a huge amount of battery life, but it does add up over time, and the beeps can be annoying anyways, especially if you're trying to shoot wildlife or you're shooting an event where you need, as, need to be as quiet and unintrusive as possible, like, again, a wedding or a concert. Although a concert, chances are the music's loud enough, nobody's going to hear your camera beep unless they're standing right next to you. But even though it is a small amount of battery power that's used to emit that little beep it does add up over time so you go ahead and turn that off i personally don't like to have my focus beep turned on just because i personally find the sound annoying light optimizing and noise reduction again not sure why either of these are in cameras to begin with and you can do a better job with your post-production software of lightroom photoshop capture one in on one photo raw whatever you're using luminar they're going to do a better job anyway so i always recommend turning off both of those features if your camera has them and then you don't have to worry about that additional draw on your battery number 13 raw plus jpeg i know some people like having this ability 
but you are writing double images every time you press the shutter, so you know this is sucking up additional battery. If you've got your camera writing and it's got a dual memory card slot set up, like a lot of the cameras do these days, not all of them, but a lot of them do, and you're writing RAW to one memory card and JPEG to the other, you're doing two writes of every frame. So again, you're cutting into your battery life. The battery's going to drain a lot faster if the camera is constantly writing two, raw, uh, two files to the memory cards for every snap of the shutter. Now, once you've turned all of these off, you should see anywhere from a 20, even upwards to a 40% increase in battery life and total shots that you can get per charge. And this can make a huge difference, especially if you're somebody that likes to go out and shoot all day like I frequently do. When I'm not doing my full-time real estate work, I work on my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia documentary series, shooting abandoned buildings throughout the state of Georgia. And I will frequently be out for hours on end. I'll usually go out when the sun comes up and not wrap up shooting until the sun goes down. And when we get into the summer months, you get a lot of hours of daylight, especially here in the south. So all the any way I can reduce the draw, additional draw on my battery when I'm out shooting all day, I'm going to do it. And these 13 steps are a great way to accomplish that. Now, I do understand that a lot of cameras have the ability, the manufacturers offer battery grips so that you can put two batteries in the camera at the same time. And that does help. Of course, you're going to get a lot more shots throughout the day if you're running a dual battery setup in a battery grip, but you also have the additional weight. So if you're somebody that's smaller and has smaller hands and you don't want all that extra weight on your camera, the battery grip option might not be a great one for you, but remember to always carry some extra batteries when you are out shooting so that you don't have to worry about missing any shots due to your battery being drained. Now, I do have one other item I want to talk about in this week's episode, and this can also help contribute to reducing your battery drain on your camera, and the subject is that of back button focus. Now, I know there's probably people out there that are saying, what exactly is back button focus? I don't understand what that means. So on most all cameras, well, pretty much every camera by default, when you get the camera new for the first time or you buy it used, whatever the case may be, by default, when you power that camera up and you compose and go to take a shot, you're going to press halfway down on the shutter button to achieve focus lock. That's going to engage the focusing system and as long as you continue to maintain that half press, the focusing system's going to do its thing. You're going to get a focus lock, and then you continue pressing the rest of the way down on the shutter button to take a photo. But myself and many others prefer to use what's called back button focus, and it's available on pretty much all cameras. All of my Canon cameras had the ability to do back button focus. My Fuji does, the Nikons do, the Sonys do. Some people will argue that on the newer with the newer mirrorless cameras and the way the autofocus system is, especially on the Sony's, that back button focus is no longer relevant, but I disagree. I still think it can come in extremely handy, and again, it helps to reduce your battery draw with the focus system. Now, what you're going to do for back button focus is you're going to actually program one of the additional buttons on the back of your camera using the camera's menu to be your dedicated focus button. Now, once you do that, and the steps to do it are different, they vary between Nikon, Canon, Sony, Fuji. It's more or less similar, but it can be different, and the, the ways you do it are named differently in each camera's menu system. 
So you'll probably want to do a Google search for your specific camera. You know, how do I do set up back button focus for, say, my T8i or whatever the case may be, or my Nikon D850. And you'll find an article or possibly even a YouTube video that'll show you step-by-step step how to do this. Now, once you have the back button focus set up on your camera, you can just press that dedicated button on the back of the camera each time you want to achieve your focus lock or you want to recompose and refocus. You'll use that button instead of the shutter button. Now, the nice thing about that is if you're using the shutter button for both focus as well as taking your photos, then you run the risk of your focus getting thrown off. If you inadvertently let up too much on the half press on the shutter, then you're going to disengage the focusing system. And when you press it again, it's going to have to refocus. And if you forget or don't realize that you lost your focus lock by releasing or relieving too much pressure off the shutter button, then when you go to press all the way down, it's going to try to instantly get focus and snap the shot at the same time. And chances are you're going to end up with an extremely extremely blurry image that's just not going to look right and you're going to be disappointed now back button focus isn't for everybody but the way i look at it is go ahead and give it a try what's it going to hurt if you don't like it if you can't get used to it if you just feel that it's not for you you can easily go back into the menus and reverse the setup and go back to using your shutter button for both the both the shutter and for your focus achieving and focus lock but I think if you give it an honest try, you might enjoy it. I know I do. Okay, I am going to go ahead and wrap up episode 59 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to the show. Be sure to also check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, but you can join. You just have to answer one question to become a member, and that is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam, or you can put Liam Douglas. And I'll even expand it a little bit. You could even give the name of one of the recent guests I've had on the show, any one of my guests from the last year. It doesn't matter if it was Ruben or Jill Mott or John Harvell or Jeff Harmon from the Master Photography Podcast or Ellie Cat who's a model that's been on the show a couple of times, I'll accept any of their names as well because it does still show that you've been listening. Now, also remember, you can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 or you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Um, you can feel free to reach out by email, uh, call, or text and give any feedback, um, ask about a topic you'd like to hear covered on the show, or maybe a guest you'd like me to see if I can get on the show for an upcoming episode, and we'll see if we can't make that happen. Okay, with that, I am going to go ahead and end this episode, and I will see you again in, a, in another seven days for episode 60.